Emahal. The master Padmasambhava was invited by King Trisongdoisen to tame the construction site and build Samye, the glorious, spontaneously perfected fulfilment of boundless wishes. Later, when conducting the consecration, the king invited the master, who was dressed in a dark maroon cloak of brocade, to sit upon a throne of silken cushions in the upper central chamber. He served the master wine made from rice and placed full goblets of both gold and silver at his right and left hands. The king offered a variety of material objects and arranged upon a golden mandala plate the size of one cubit, flowers of turquoise in the manner of the seven precious articles. From his own neck, he took a turquoise ornament known as Radiant Maru and placed it as the representation of the sun and another as a representation of the moon. He assembled additional precious articles on the golden plate to represent Mount Sumeru and the four continents and offered it to the master with these words of praise. Without depending upon a mother and father, your Namanakaya form appeared from within a lotus flower. It abides to influence beings as the Vajra body that cuts the stream of birth and death. From the unconfined expanse of realisation, you reveal the Buddha mind to worthy people. Skilled in influencing with a variety of means, you bind the haughty gods and demons under oath. With the perfect activity of the three kayas, your Namanakaya form exceeds that of all other Buddhas. I bow to the lotus form of Vajra Tortring and praise you with devotion. Although you do not possess clinging or attachment when enjoying the five sense pleasures, you compassionately accept them so that all beings can create merit. Please consider me kindly as I supplicate you to bestow the supreme, profound meaning. The master responded, Your Majesty, are you fond of my present form? Yes, I am, the king replied, and continued, Free from diseases of the four elements, beyond both birth and death, you possess the eminent compassion to act for the welfare of beings. Your mind forever abides as the innate nature of Dhammata. Yes, I am fond of your form, the protector of beings.
the master then said, You should know that one's master is more important than even the thousand Buddhas of this eon. Why is that? It is because all the Buddhas of this eon appeared after having followed a master. Before there was a master, the word Buddhas never existed. It is also said, the master is the Buddha, the master is the Dharma. In the same way, the master is also the Sangha. He is thus the root of the three jewels. Setting aside all other worship, endeavour to serve your master. By pleasing them, you will receive all the attainments you desire. The king then inquired of Padmasambhava, Great Master, when trying to accomplish the effect, Buddhahood, from the cause, a sentient being, first of all, the view of realisation is of exclusive importance. What is meant by possessing the view of realisation? The Master replied, The pinnacle of all views is the bodhicitta essence of awakened mind. All of the great billionfold universes, all the sugatas of the ten directions, and all of the beings of the three realms are of one nature in that they are included within the bodhicitta essence of awakened mind. Mind here means the diversity that arises from the unmade. Well, you may then ask, what is the difference between Buddhas and sentient beings? It is nothing other than realising or not realising mind. The substance of the awakened state of Buddha is present within you, but you do not recognise it. Not recognising their minds, being stray into the six streams of existence. You may then ask, what is the way to realise mind? For that, it is taught you need the oral instructions of a master. In this regard, mind is that which thinks and cognises.
there is indeed something that experiences. Don't seek this mind outside. Look within. Let mind search for itself. Reach certainty about how the nature of mind is. At first, from where does mind arise? Right now, where does it stay? At the end, look into where it goes. When your mind looks into itself, it finds no place from where it arises, remains, or goes to. There is no explanation of, this is how it is. Mind is discovered to be without something outside or inside. It does not have someone that looks. It is not the act of looking. It is experienced as a great original wakefulness, without centre or edge. An immense all-pervasiveness that is primordially empty and free. This original wakefulness is intrinsic and self-existing. It is not made right now, but is present within you from the very beginning. Decide firmly that the view is to recognise just that. To possess confidence in this means to realise that, like space, mind is spontaneously present from the beginning. Like the sun, it is free from any basis for the darkness of ignorance. Like a lotus flower, it is untainted by faults. Like gold, it doesn't alter its own nature. Like the ocean, it is unmoving. Like a river, it is unceasing. 
Like Mount Sumeru, it is utterly unchanging. Once you realise that this is how it is, and stabilise it, that is called possessing the view of realisation. The king asked, what is meant by possessing the experience of meditation? The master replied, listen here, your majesty. To possess the experience of meditation means to leave your mind uncontrived, uncorrupted and fresh. Let your mind rest in its natural, unrestrained and free state. By neither placing your mind on something outside, nor concentrating inwardly, you remain free of focus. Within this great equal state of your innate nature, let your mind stay unmoved, just like the flame of a butter lamp that is not moved by the wind. Within this state, experiences can occur your consciousness may become overflowing, bright or stop altogether, blissful, radiant or free of thoughts. It may feel murky without reference point and out of tune with the ways of this world. If these experiences occur, don't attach any special importance to them, as they are just temporary experiences. Don't cling to or fixate on them at all. That is called possessing the experience of meditation. The king asked, What is meant by possessing the equal taste of conduct? The master replied, Conduct here means to be uninterrupted in meditation, without being distracted, even though there is no thing being meditated upon. 
like the ceaseless flow of a river. You remember throughout all situations, whether walking, moving, lying down or sitting. Equal taste means to embrace whatever you see or whichever of the five sense pleasures occur with the recognition of your innate nature, free from attachment or clinging. You do not accept or reject anything at all. Just like the analogy of arriving on an island of precious gold. This is called possessing the equal taste of conduct. Again, the king asked, What makes one cross the dangerous defile of moving thoughts? The master answered, When conceptual thinking occurs while resting in meditation, whatever arises does so out of your own mind. since mind does not consist of any concrete essence whatsoever. Thinking is itself empty of any real entity. Like the analogy of a cloud that appears within space and vanishes again into space, thinking occurs within mind and dissolves again into mind. In nature, conceptual thinking is the innate dharmata. Crossing the dangerous defile means that when mind moves into a variety of thoughts, you should direct your attention into this mind itself. Like a thief entering an empty house, empty thoughts cannot in any way harm an empty mind. That is called having crossed the dangerous defile of moving thoughts. The king asked the master, 
How does one gain the unchanging confidence of fruition? The master replied, Listen to this, your majesty. The awakened mind of Bodhicitta is not created through causes, nor destroyed through circumstances. It is not made by ingenious Buddhas, nor manufactured by clever sentient beings. It is originally present in you as your natural possession. When you recognize it through your master's oral instructions, since mind is the forefather of the Buddhas, it is like the analogy of recognizing someone you already know. All the Buddhas of the three times awaken to enlightenment in the continuity of actualizing this after attaining stability. Just like the analogy of a prince ascending to the throne. To awaken to what is spontaneously present from the beginning, free from fear and intimidation, is called possessing the confidence of fruition. The king asked the master, What makes you cut through the limitations of sidetracks and faults? The master responded, Your majesty, to feel either hope or fear is due to the fault of not realizing the view. The awakened bodhicitta mind of awareness neither hopes to get enlightened nor fears falling to the state of sentient beings. To hold the concepts of meditator and meditation object is due to the fault of not cutting through the projections of dualistic mind. Your innate nature of dharmata, free of constructs, does not have an object to be meditated upon. Someone who meditates, or any meditation to be cultivated whatsoever. To accept or reject 
is due to the fault of not cutting through attachment and fixation. The originally free and empty nature of mind is neither something to be accomplished to which you can cling, nor something to be rejected to which you can be hostile. It has neither virtues that must be accepted, nor evils that must be rejected. To be attached to possessions is due to the fault of not understanding how to practice. Practice in regards to anything is to be free from focus and fixation and to understand that attachment and clinging are devoid of ground and root. To condense all of this into a single sentence. The view is to be free from convictions. Meditation is to not place the mind on anything. Experience is to be free from savouring the taste. And fruition is beyond attainment. The Buddhas of the three times have not taught, are not teaching, and will not teach it to be any other than this. That is called cutting through the limitations of sidetracks and faults. The king asked the master, What does it mean to clear away the fault of conviction? The master replied, Even though you have realized that your mind is the Buddha, don't forsake your master. Even though you have realized appearances to be mind, don't interrupt condition roots of virtue. Even though you don't hope for Buddhahood, honor the sublime three jewels. Even though you don't fear samsara, avoid even the minutest misdeed. 
even though you have gained the unchanging confidence of your innate nature. Don't belittle any spiritual teaching. Even though you experience the qualities of samadhi, higher perceptions and the like, give up conceit and pretentiousness. Even though you have realised that samsara and nirvana are non-dual, don't cease to have compassion for sentient beings. Again the king asked, What does it mean to gain certainty? The master responded, Gain certainty in the fact that since the very beginning, your own mind is the awakened state of Buddhahood. Gain certainty in the fact that all phenomena are the magical display of your mind. Gain certainty in the fact that the fruition is present in yourself and is not to be sought elsewhere. Gain certainty in the fact that your master is the Buddha in person. Gain certainty in the fact that the nature of view and meditation is the realisation of the Buddhas. To gain such confidence, you must practice. Again the king asked, What does it mean to possess a transmission of oral instructions? The master replied, By means of blessings, Samatabhadra expounded these secret words into the ears of Vajrasattva. Vajrasattva poured them into the locket of Garabdoje's ears. Garabdoje entrusted them to the centre of Sri Singha's heart. Sri Singha bestowed them upon me, Padmasambhava. King, keep them in the core of your heart. The master instructed the king, Your Majesty, unless you realise the non-arising nature of Dharmata, even though you have been born in the body of a monarch, life passes like a bubble in the water. 
unless you experience the innate nature of dharmata beyond thought. You will suffer when your kingdom and worldly power, which are as insubstantial as a rainbow, fade and vanish. Unless you keep company with your friend, self-existing awareness, when you leave this life, you will not be able to cut your attachment to your queens, servants and subjects, who are no more than acquaintances left behind on a journey. Unless you grow accustomed to the natural state of view and meditation, you will circle from one life to the next, like on the rim of a water wheel, entering at birth and exiting at death. Unless you rule your kingdom with the truth of peace, strict laws are like a poisonous tree, that will destroy itself. Great King, I beg you to rule in accord with the Dharma. Again the Master instructed the King, Your Majesty, at the end of this age, People will hanker after excellent teachings, but will not realise them. Not following the word of the Dharma, many will profess to be practitioners. At that time, there will be plenty of braggarts, but few accomplished people. When the Buddha Dharma ceases in China, Tibet and Mongolia, like a code of mail being broken. People will be hard to tame. At that time, these teachings must protect the Buddha Dharma, so you must conceal them as term a treasure. Your Majesty, in your last life, you will meet with these teachings and those who protect the Buddha Dharma. You will then stop the stream of rebirth and proceed to the stage of a Vijadhara. So don't publicize them now. Becoming overjoyed, the king presented a mandala offering of gold and made countless prostrations and circumambulations. Seal of Treasure Seal of Concealment, 
seal of entrustment.